Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today we continue our studies in 1 Thessalonians, Paul, the Gospel and the Church. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart. We'd love for you to join us over there. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I hope you're all doing well um, on this uh, gloomy morning. Uh, but anyway, it's nice to be uh, back with you all and back together. Morning to Sue and to Janice. Nice to see you guys there. So uh, we're carrying on through 1 Thessalonians. We're in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5 now, actually moving into the next chapter. So Andy brilliantly dealt with that whole topic of the rapture yesterday and uh, meeting the Lord in the air, but then coming back down to the earth, you know, to be resurrected, to live on the new earth with really how Andy ended it yesterday with a great message of hope. The message is to encourage one another with these words, to look forward to our resurrection, to await the day where Christ returns to save us from our death sentence. Remember the other day I shared that death is proof that you're a sinner. And so Christ raises us from the dead to prove that we are indeed forgiven, that we have been justified. Uh, both body and soul we are made one whole person again in Christ so that's how chapter four ended this great message of hope and encouragement Um, and as I say it ends with those words encourage one another with these words but as we move into chapter five we move into quite a different topic uh, as is quite obvious and I'll read it now now Concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labour pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day is, uh, uh, for that day to surprise you like a thief. That's all I'm going to read in chapter five today. Um, so we move from encouragement with these words, Christ is going to return, we're going to raise from the dead, all those kind of things, great. And then we move to, but concerning the day of the Lord, sudden destruction is going to come like labour upon a pregnant woman. Um, it's, a, it's a very different image. Now, often people have seen these as a continuation of the same topic. So chapter four is talking about the return of Jesus, and then chapter five is talking about the return of Jesus. But there's a few reasons why I don't think that that's what Paul is doing, and and we're going to go through that this morning. What is Paul talking about here if he's not talking about the second coming of Jesus? And there's there's a few things. I'll point out a few reasons why I don't think they're talking about the same thing. A a more subtle point, which we could see, a, a point that Andy made, chapter four is a very, very loud section. Paul describes the return of Christ as though it's going to be a very uh, obvious and loud event. There's a trumpet. All will see him. There's a return. There's the people going up in the sky. It's it's very, very obvious. But then when you go into chapter five, it's suddenly. Everything's going as normal. But then suddenly, when people are saying peace and destruction, uh, peace and security, destruction will come. It's a different image. The other thing, and I think this is a really important thing, is the first words of chapter five are, it's just two little Greek words, 
and it's the words Perry Day. Um, and Perry Day just means now concerning or, or but concerning. And um, I often use it, uh, as Anna knows, um, as the as how we use the word English, the English word anyway, because Perry Day anyway kind of rhymes. So I often go Perry Day because it kind of means moving on. And every time this this these little two words appear, they appear to to show that the audience that the author is moving on to a new topic. So every time it's used throughout the New Testament, it means right now we've talked about that. Now let's talk about this. So even through one Thessalonians, Paul has been starting sentences by saying Perry Day, moving on. So in chapter four, verse nine, um, he's been talking about. Um, He's been calling us to live to holiness. And then he says, now concerning Perry Day, concerning brotherly love you have. So he says, right, we've talked about living in holiness. Now let's talk about brotherly love. It means moving on. And this chapter starts, Paul's just talked about the return of Christ, the resurrection. Then he starts by saying, now moving on. And then he goes into the topic. So before we even read anything, Paul is indicating that he is now changing topics. So I don't think this is about the return of Jesus. He then tells us about the day of the Lord that's coming. Now, the day of the Lord is a very interesting concept in the Bible. It refers to occasions where God brings his judgment. Now, again, a lot of people read the day of the Lord as though it's always talking about the last day, the judgment day, where God judges people. And the, the last day is called the day of the Lord in the Bible, but it's not the only time that's called the day of the Lord. In fact, the day of the Lord is used throughout the Bible to describe to Joel, for instance, when God sends a plague of locusts on Israel, he refers to it as the day of the Lord. When uh, Israel is destroyed by Assyria, it's referred to as the day of the Lord. When Judah is destroyed by Babylon, it's referred to as the day of the Lord. And when Babylon is ultimately destroyed, it's referred to as the day of the Lord. Um, and then as we go into the New Testament, well, from the Old Testament, Jerusalem's destruction that happened soon after Jesus' ascension is described as the day of the Lord. Now, as I say, it does also refer to Judgment Day, the final day, but we shouldn't assume that it always does. It sometimes does. Now, the interesting thing about the day of the Lord is that it refers to both God's judgment and God's salvation. As God judges, he saves if you think about like Noah's flood, for instance, as God is flooding the world, he saves his people. For Noah, when he thinks about the flood, he thinks about God's great salvation. When everyone else was to think about the flood, they'd think about that great day of judgment. Not that they could do much thinking after the flood. But the point is, God's judgments always have salvation with them. And so what's really interesting is that when the early Christians started to meet every week on a Sunday, they started referring to it as the Lord's Day, the day of the Lord. Because it's like they were taking part in, in that image of Christ separating the sheep from the goats, judging and salvation. Um, because they are the gathered people of God. They're coming together, showing themselves before Christ uh, as saved people. So there's this element of the day of the Lord being salvation and judgment. And it's the same for us. Every time we gather together, we are showing ourselves to be the gathered people of God. The ones that uh, the wheat is an image that the Bible uses. Um, so the day of the Lord is a bigger concept than just judgment day. So what is it referring to here? Why is Paul talking about it? Well, I think that what Paul is referring to here in 1 Thessalonians 5 is 
Jerusalem's destruction, which is going to be happening in the next few years from when Paul is writing. Jerusalem is uh, invaded in 68 AD by the Romans, and it's and the temple is destroyed, which signals the end of Jerusalem's destruction in 70 AD. So there's a two-year period where uh, the Romans level Jerusalem, and that is um, a big deal biblically because that's where the temple is. That's God's holy city. That's where the priesthood is. But the question is, why is this relevant to the Thessalonians? And then why is this relevant to us? Because this is a devotional after all. This isn't simply a Bible lesson. So why is it relevant to us? Well, first, let's just think, why is it relevant to the Thessalonians? We have to bear in mind that Jerusalem, you know, is down in Israel, whereas Thessalonia is, uh, Thessalonica rather, is up in Greece. So you could say, why is Paul writing about destruction of a city down in Israel to these people? Well, it is very relevant to them. The destruction of Jerusalem would have huge uh, significance for both the Christians and the Jews uh, who were among those uh, people, and as well as just normal Roman citizens. When Romans decided to invade one of their own colonies to quash a rebellion and completely destroy that city, that sends ripples throughout the whole empire. But the reason that's specifically significant for the Jews is that uh, Jerusalem is the center of all their operations. Jerusalem is where they are based. Jerusalem is where the temple is, where the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council is. Uh, to be a Jew means to be someone who is uh, going to and from Jerusalem in, in the first century. The concept of uh, synagogues, for instance, which today are very popular, was very much seen in the first century as a kind of a, a, a gap, a, a, something that stands in the gap. What we really want to do is keep going back to Jerusalem, though. So when that happens, it's a big deal for them. But for the Christians, it's a big deal. And we're going to talk about, um, no, you know, I'll talk about it now. Because the Christians were basically seen as just a bunch of Jews that did things slightly differently. And so um, the Jews persecuted them for being unfaithful Jews. Everyone else mistreated them because they were being uh, you know, bad Jews as well. They were just seen as an offshoot of Judaism who's being a bit troublesome. And so the Jews hated the Christians and would persecute the Christians. And when you go through the book of Acts, pretty much all the persecution is coming from uh, Jerusalem. They're sending, as Christians send missionaries out, the Jews are sending persecutors out. If you think about when Saul goes to kill the Christians, he goes to Jerusalem and they commission him to go and find them. And Paul references in two, Andy read it a few weeks ago. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 14, he says, For you, brothers, became imitators of the church of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out, and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. You get this message from Paul that they are really trying to stop our mission, and they're even affecting the Thessalonians as well. Um, so as we send people out, uh, they send people out. And so as Jerusalem is destroyed, it, uh, it works greatly for the Christians' benefit because it now means, for one, that uh, they're not being persecuted by the Jews anymore, but also because people realise they aren't just Jews who are doing things a bit differently. They are different. They are Christians. They don't need the temple anymore. They don't need Jerusalem. They don't need the priests because they have a temple and they have a priest and his name is Jesus and he's in heaven. And so it's it's a big thing for them. 
And so, which is why it says further down in chapter five, um, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation. That obtaining salvation is obtaining our identity, obtaining our, our identity in Christ, that we are a unique people, that this destruction works for our benefit. Um, so that's why it's significant for the Thessalonians. But if you also look, there's some more things which point to it. In verse three, it says, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. Now, peace and security, that was the slogan of the Roman Empire during this time period. They had what's called the, the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And so peace and security was their little tagline to say everything's fine. So when everyone's saying peace and security, the Pax Romana, everything's fine, then this is going to happen. And it was sudden. I mean, if you read in history that the rising of the um, Jewish rebellion and the, and the Roman attack on Jerusalem, it was very sudden. It happened in the blink of an eye, really. So um, there we go. That's why it's significant for them. And so, as I say, Paul is referring to the same thing here that he has in chapter two. The Jews are uh, disturbing our ministry, but God's wrath has come upon them at last. And this is what the day of the Lord is. But then the question is, well, how does that affect us? And uh, it actually, I'm actually going to leave a, kind of this topic a little bit to Andy as, as we go into the next verses after this. I was just kind of setting the context. But Paul lists some specific behaviours which mark out those Christians who have received vindication, who have received salvation. And uh, as, as I say, Andy's going to go through them, talking about being children of light, being people who are sober who walk aware, um, that kind of thing comes, and as I say, I won't unpack it now, but I'm just going to give two ways that show it really does affect us. One, this day of the Lord is a preview of the final one. We no longer live in the shadow of this one. You know, this is now almost 2,000 years in our history, but we do live in the shadow of the final day of the Lord. We await the final day of judgment, and our readiness for that day should be as ready, uh, the same readiness that the Thessalonians have in their day. We should be wanting to be people who are ready to stand before the Lord. Though we will be aware of our sins on that day, nonetheless, we want to be found in him, not getting through just as a man gets through in fire, as Paul says in 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 3. We want to be found ready for that day of judgment. But the other thing that's more specific to us or more specific to the, the temple's destruction, is bear in mind, as Jerusalem is destroyed, it marks out the Christians uh, as separate from every other group that they may have been identified with previously, and identifies them not with a building or, or a city or a country, but with a man, with Jesus. These are the Christians, the Jesus followers. And just as it meant for the Thessalonians that this was their marking out, so too we now live as they marked out people. We are the people of Jesus. We've been gathered to him. And so we have a responsibility to live that and know that, to treat the Bible from cover to cover as God's revelation to us, to treat this world as the same world that Jesus is returning to as Lord, which we will be resurrected on. We should live as the marked out people of God, the beginning of his new creation, no longer fearing God's wrath, but enjoying his salvation. So as I say, Andy's going to unpack this a bit more on Tuesday, but I'll leave you with that for now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that throughout history you have shown your justice, Lord, and you have uh, in doing so have given vindication and salvation. 
Lord, we thank you that 2,000 years ago, you marked out your people. You put an end to the sacrificial system. You put an end to the temple and you identified us with yourself. Lord, help us to live as people who are in the light, as people who are sober. Lord, and help us to look forward to that final day of the Lord, that final great judgment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.